Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC, where we have a very special episode for you today. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce two very special men. One, the Rank God, Mr. Sam Ty. Very kind introduction, Jack. The best I've had in a while. What's the occasion? I'm feeling nice today. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Yeah, I feel like you're about to ask for a favour, mate, calling us special like that. Um, but hello, hello. Hello. Yeah, no, I've, I've got nothing to ask of you. I'm oh. just, just feeling particularly generous and happy today. So I thought I would uh, I thought I would introduce you in a nice manner for once. But we have yeah. a special episode and I want to get straight into it, basically. So we're ditching the entire concept of what we normally do on the show. Uh, and we're doing a big old special because maybe the biggest debate of the year one of the biggest moments in the fifa calendar for sure is the ea sports fifa 21 team of the year for 2020 right so the team of the year is made up the best 11 players in the world over the last 12 months of football the players who make the team are given a massive in-game ratings boost in fifa 21 and these items are highly sought after in the fifa ultimate team world the vote's currently open it stays live until monday the 18th of january and the final 11 is revealed shortly after that Basically, fans this year have the power to cast their votes from a pool of 70 well-deserved nominees. Fans from anywhere in the world can vote, and we're going to be taking you through our 11 and who just missed out. If you want to get involved yourselves, head to the EA Sports website and you can cast your vote. So, Sam, we're going to build our own Team of the Year 11 here from the options available given to us by EA. And uh, we're going to try and help you out with some visual aids as well for those of you watching this. Yeah, just a personal story from the EA Sports Team of the Year on FIFA. I've saved up many, many packs and Ultimate Team over the years to try and grab one of these items. I have unfortunately not been successful. They're pretty high ticket items. And the reason is the stats boosts these guys get are absolutely incredible. So this is a serious vote and you see the pros taking it very seriously. You see them trying to vote for the certain players they think will actually improve their team or could be factors for them later in the year in competitions. Or you just see people voting for their favorite players. There's a whole deck of players you can vote for on the EA Sports website. Uh, probably about six or seven goalkeepers and then you know, 15 to 20 other different options for the other three prison groups. So we'll start with the goalkeeper. And I think this one is fairly easy. I am going to put my vote forward for Mr. Manuel Neuer. I think he's been absolutely incredible over the course of 2020. Bayern Munich were obviously amazing. They play a ridiculously high line with high pressure, and that in, that requires an impressive and pretty much faultless sweeper-keeper to do all of that hard work in behind, anticipating, timing those runs forwards, and making like really, really important decisions three or four times a game. And those decisions involve an incredible amount of risk. And the amount of errors that Neuer made were so few there were so few considering the actions he was taking and of course the the reflexes on the line the aerial command it really felt like Neuer was back to his absolute best I think it was his best year since 2014 when Germany won the World Cup and he almost redefined the position and I'd be absolutely shocked if you guys have a credible contender for Neuer for this team 
Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say there are plenty of things that are up for debate in this team, and there are plenty of positions that I'm sure will have uh, disparaging views on who is going to take the crown. But this doesn't feel like one of them, Dean. It's one of those strange ones where he's been all conquering, and especially in a year where people were starting to question him. Obviously, we saw at the World Cup things didn't go his way. People were starting to worry if he'd lost the peak of his powers, and suddenly under Hansi Flick, he returned very much the peak of those powers. Won a quintuple with Bayern Munich and there's not much else you can say really here no he definitely was getting starting to get criticism and then proved everyone wrong so everyone shut up um but <laughs> to be honest lads you know I don't really have any right to judge a goalkeeper because I've, I've aired my thoughts before on um goalkeepers and I was very harsh on them and so I don't consider them to be footballers um I'm a football reporter not a goalkeeper reporter I'd love um, to see you say that to Manuel Neuer's face <laughs> <laughs> Manuel Neuer definitely a far far better footballer than I could ever dream of being <laughs> uh, but no I, I'm uh I'm going to push my um, agenda aside right now for goalkeepers and say that Manuel Neuer absolutely deserves to be in there. All right. Well, we'll mark that one down without debate. He's in the goalkeeper position and let's move it on. Let's move it on to right back, Dean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there are any contenders outside of this, but I'm going with Trent Alexander-Arnold because um, the way that he established himself at Liverpool was... So, so impressive from day one, really, when people were asking questions of him. And then he just went on to become such an integral part of the team that went on to win the Premier League title uh, for the first time last season. Um, I guess the argument you could make is that perhaps the actual year of 2020 wasn't his actual peak. Um, but certainly he was he was still really, really good. Um, I think he got five, six assists in the Premier League, um, weighed in with a couple of goals as well. Um, obviously, the way that he conducts play as a modern fullback um, kind of sets the bar for youngsters that are coming through now in terms of how to play that position. Um, who are you two putting up against him? I think Sam will have uh, a credible contender, considering you said that there wasn't anyone that you could think of. But you know, I think it is <laughs> there worth. There might be a couple. I might be lying. It is worth <laughs> saying that there, you know, that Trent had, you know, perhaps not his best season, but still won the Premier League. You know, yeah. had a an incredible season. And and as you say, we talked about Neuer reinventing the position, right? We, Trent has revolutionised that fullback position for 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 modern age. And I think we look at it and you think about all the you know the brilliant fullbacks that have come before him and. And you think, okay, even with all of their brilliant parts in mind and what you could look at as a, a Micon or a Cafu or all of these different players and who, you know, we grew up idolizing, Trent is changing that perception. And there's always the famous line, isn't there? No one grows up wanting to be a right back. I think they might do now. I think they yeah. might do now. Yeah, yeah, they might do. They might do. Look, I have a slight issue with the Trent call in that I don't think he's been particularly good this season. Um, which is, you know, the, the last four months of 2020, which are, which are inside this voting window. I think he was obviously a stellar performer in the in the Premier League win, and he was good post lockdown as well. I just think he's he's really dropped off this season. It's been quite noticeable. So I'm actually going to nominate Jesus Navas, who, and I haven't done that just because of his beautiful eyes staring into my soul and convincing me to do it. He hasn't hypnotized me. I'm doing it because I think his level was more consistent over the course of 2020. And he did win the Europa League with Sevilla. Like he's got the trophies because got managed to captain Sevilla into the top four in La Liga, the, the toughest league in the world, I would argue. They've won the Europa League again. Again, he, he lifts that trophy as captain. 
He's one of the best crossers in the game, and he's a very reliable, consistent performer. And over the stretch, over the 12 months, I think I'd shade it for Navas. Yeah, I, I think there's a case to be made here. Now, obviously, as a Betico, it, it hurts my heart a little bit to be, be chucking Sevillistas into, into a team of the year. But there is definitely a case to be made. And I think that I'm going to go off kind of points for a second and just take the emotional value of, of what it means. And I think you look at that win for, for Navas and he's wearing the 16 shirt that once, you know, belonged to his friend Antonio Puertas, who sadly died. He was wearing the captain's armband dedicated to Jose Antonio Reyes, who sadly died. And the emotion of that win in the Europa League for Sevilla, I think it's hard to, to put into words. And with all of those things considered, to do that, to take your team to that trophy with all of that pressure of history and nostalgia and grief hanging over you, I think was an absolutely incredible achievement. And I would probably err uh, towards including Navas ahead of Trent based on that. And that maybe emotion shouldn't be completely taken into this, but I find it hard to remove. Well, they beat Inter as well in the final. It's not like it's not like the, in, the, the final was a cakewalk. It's not like it was a... They beat like United a as well. Yeah, they beat, they, beat, they beat some really tough teams at Wolves, United, and then Inter Milan. It was an incredible final as well. So it sounds like we've got a two-to-one majority on Navas here. I mean... Yeah. How many Sevilla games did you watch compared to how many Liverpool games you watched? Quite I mean, a lot. <laughs> I don't believe you watched even half the amount. Uh, I, I do. I, I, think don't. I think you're picking on the two wrong people to be asking this question. <laughs> I don't. I both, don't. Of us, both of us confirmed the league ahead. No, I don't believe that you have. And I think from an outside view, people aren't going to agree with you two on this. Well, we've decided that it's Navas. It's a terrible uh, start to this team of the year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. You get another go. You get another go. What's the point? What's the point if you're not going to listen to me? <laughs> give, give us your centre backs, Dino. Let's see what you got. Well, you've got a Real Madrid lad. Um, you've heard of him, Sergio Ramos. He's got to be in there. Um, look, Sergio Ramos um, won Real Madrid the league. So if you two don't pick him, um, <laughs> not only did he keep goals out at one end, he scored all of their goals to get them over the line at the other end. When, and they were all like important goals as well. A lot of them were, were match winners. Um, he was unbelievable um, from the, in the second half of the season and after lockdown. Um, so Sergio Ramos, I think, is an absolute no-brainer. And then, look, it's justice for Kim Pembe's season here because you two <laughs> and Jimmy Conrad, right, well, bang out of order. You show complete disrespect, not only to me, but to Kim Bembe, the god himself, by laughing and mocking when I picked him in my draft team um, at the start of lockdown. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and see if you can find it on BR Football Ranks and listen to our drafts and just, just find the bit where I pick Kim Bembe and listen to these three muppets. Um, <laughs> finally, this man... You picked Kim Bembe as the fourth best centre-back in the world. Yeah, and now I'm putting him forward for the team of the year because he was so good in 2020. He is one of the best centre-backs in the world. Yeah, okay, I said I wanted a left-footed centre-back and that's who I picked. Um, and then he ends the year with the best tackle you've ever seen in your life um, in a three-on-one counter against Lille. And he was struggling at that point with a bit of a knock. Um, so that's my two contenders. And let's see what you two have to say about that. I mean, yeah, look, look, I, I mean, don't want to look, argue I'd, anymore. I'm, I'm I want to say, how much Real Madrid did you watch compared to Man? <laughs> <laughs> Ramos, Ramos was Madrid, just yeah. like he was the he was the the MVP of Real Madrid season and dragged them to that Liga title post lockdown. I think you're absolutely spot on. 
Ramos I, I don't have an issue with. There is another PSG defender in the mix here. I know he played a lot of time in midfield this season, but he's in the team of the year vote as a defender. Marquinhos, yeah, Jack's got him. Jack's got him. Marquinhos just, is a shout here. Just wanted to put Marquinhos into the conversation. Um, look, I, I think I'd be tempted to go with Kimpembe here. And I know that's not necessarily a widely held view, but Marquinhos was unbelievable. The problem I have was how much he played in midfield. And I don't know if that's, you know, obviously there's only so much we can do there. He's been put in as a defender. He is a wonderful centre-back, but he played a lot of his best work. In, in midfield for PSG last season. And, you know, part of that run to the Champions League final was so based on his kind of calming presence at the bottom there that allowed him to uh, allow PSG to kick on, to, to get results and, and to, to make things happen. And him as the base of that midfield was wonderful. As a defender, I think Kimpembe might edge it, Sam. Yeah, Marquinhos, obviously, as you say, played a lot of time in midfield and did a great job of it. And a lot of his moments were... They were, he scored a lot of crucial goals, didn't he, for for PSG over the over the back end of the season in those Champions League knockouts and stuff. But like him as a presence at corner kicks and free kicks, he was an absolute monster. Now that kind of that almost coasts above any position. It doesn't matter what position you're playing, he's he's having that impact. So I don't really want to hold that against him. But I'm a bit scared of Dean now, and I would basically just go along with what he said. You have to just go with what Dean says for this thing, because otherwise he'll shout at us. I don't um, think I've ever intimidated anybody in my life, so I'm quite enjoying this. Um, right, okay, well, I think we'll go with a vote, shall we? Marquinhos vote, Sam? Uh... I think I think it's a I think it's a Kimpembe Ramos partnership. It's a Kimpembe Ramos partnership. Okay, sorry, whoa, Marquinhos. Whoa. Both two... cards here they are. The two. Let's hold these guys up for there anybody that can see this. Here they are. Two kings of defence. Hmm. Is that thing? <laughs> they the are. King... I mean, kings of the match. To be King fair, Pembe. They were. King, King Pembe. Pembe. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to left back, and, and I'd like to bring up friend of the pod. Alfonso Davis, what oh, yes. a year this lad had. What a year. Um, the breakout year, the change. Like we interviewed him about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I was going to say, towards now, the end maybe. of 2019, was it? And we were talking November to him about issue. that. We were yeah. talking to him about that change into being a left back and how he was struggling with it a little bit. And then suddenly, two months later, he was absolutely rocking the world with how good he was from that left back position. And I think with the end to 2020 and the injury series he's had and it's been a little bit of a struggle this year it's easy to forget just how incredible he was and there's that moment isn't there in the Chelsea game that I think stands out above all else where he's he just absolutely pocketed Chelsea ruined them going forward killed them going backwards and and ultimately just had them on toast for the entire 90 minutes and it was a game that a lot of people were like oh maybe Chelsea could cause an upset here and and Davis almost single-handedly was like no 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 and the Barca that. game. Remember the Barca oh, game. I mean, he took he took Nelson Semedo's soul. It's gone, <laughs> and 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 quieting down a, a rampant Leo Messi. Yeah, incredible, right? Well, like playing against his like boyhood hero, like the, the player he idolised, and just like just locked him down. I mean, you've brought it up there. He had an injury towards the uh, well, basically at the start of this season, and he's missed quite a lot of time at the end of 2020. So I just thought I'd bring up what I thought was a credible contender here in the form of Andy Robertson, who, as we all know, is a pillar of consistency. And with Liverpool's levels kind of fluctuating a little bit at the start of this season or the first half, and particularly comparing him to Trent, because they're often sort of you know, bucketed together as a pair, with Trent's level really dipping and Liverpool struggling with injuries, I think Robertson has been unbelievably good holding the fort and just being his consistent self. And 
maybe I'm not talking myself into him actually replacing Davies here, but I think he's deserving of a mention in the team of the year here. I don't think it's a straight shoot for Alfonso Davies, given how good Robbo's been for a long, long time. Mm. I, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, um, but I think when back in back in October, November, when we were looking at the Golden Boy Award and Haaland won it, and and we thought at that moment that Fonzie Davis had been robbed of the Golden Boy Award in November. Now we've only had a month extra <laughs> in the year <laughs> since right, then, yeah. and I think that it would be I think it would be disingenuous. Much as I love Andy Robertson, and much as I think he is a wonderful footballer and continues to be a wonderful footballer, and like you say, Sam hasn't had that drop off that Trent perhaps has on the right hand side. You know, he has continued being excellent throughout the start of this campaign and all of those things. But I just can't look past Fonzie at this point he he was just so phenomenal in that Bayern run and look I think when we come up against Bayern players in these in these conversations you fall back on the fact that they won five trophies you know you look back at that and I think there was someone made the point that in the golden boy top 10 Fonzie had won as many trophies as the rest of the top 10 combined and and you look at <laughs> things like that and you think it's hard to look past him he was so so crucial to that run to the champions league final that made bayern quite clearly the best team in europe and almost certainly the world um and and i i, I think he's got to go in i'm afraid okay understood yeah. i think we'll pick him and just a little side note there uh, yeah if he does if he does make it into the into the fifa 21 team of the year that souped up alfonso davies card <laughs> will have 99 pace 99 acceleration uh, if they can go above 99 maybe there's a special occasion for it maybe this is it because this will be the quickest player in the history of the game it will be unbelievable yeah there's no competition do you remember we asked him who was the fastest player at, at munich and he just laughed at us yeah just, you know there was that moment he was just like nope you know, is that there's no even competition. We were like, there are some quite quick players here, mate. You know, Leroy Sane, uh, <laughs> the, the Kingsley Coman. He was like, nah, sorry. Uh, yeah. me. Never mind. He was having none um, of it, was he? Quite, and, and don't forget, 2020, I mean, in 2019, barely anyone had heard of him, like outside of like people watching Bundesliga. And by the end of 2020, everyone knew who he was. Like, hmm. that's, that's how good he was. And that's how much of an impact he made. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't even doubt he's in there. All right. Well, it's a, it's a Navas, Ramos, Kimpembe, Davies defensive line ahead of Manuel Neuer. Fantastic. Good. It's right. a good bit work, I need to go and watch a Navas highlight reel after we've done this. <laughs> Just look at his eyes, Dean. You don't have to worry about the rest of it. Let's go into midfield, shall we? Um, it's a three in midfield. That's the system. We're going 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, and probably best to start at the base, isn't it? Where uh, I'm going to stick with my Bayern Munich theme and uh, chuck this lad into the mix. Joshua Kimmich. It's just incredible, isn't he? He plays everywhere. He does everything. He goes everything from from being probably the world's best right back who's not playing at right back to the fact that he's doing those kind of chips uh, that the won the game against Dortmund. Oh, yeah. The, the through balls at the start of this season to just pick him out. He's an incredible ball retriever. He is the on-field captain of this side, I would say. And with all of this in mind, Joshua Kimmich, I think, at points this year, had a case that he was the best player in the world. Ooh, I mean, I, th- I remember you saying that about a week later, he got injured. Um, don't know I if that doesn't a... happen again. Yeah. Yeah. So be careful um, because I believe that was your fault the first time. I don't want to see it happen again. Bayern really need him as well. I mean, you know, one of the reasons over the last couple of months they've looked a little bit fragile at points is because they're lacking, you know, what is one of the probably three best centre mids in the world. I'm not quite ready to go as far as Jack has gone there, but he's absolutely in that conversation. He's an elite player in two different positions. And I have absolutely no qualms with putting Kimmich in the team of the year. He was incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone at the base here that could challenge him, Dean. Well, I know that you two didn't like uh, Trent's 2020. Um, Robbo hasn't made it either. This is the Premier League title winners. But what about this man, Jordan Henderson? I mean... What, ahead of Kimmich? There's definitely a case for him in the midfield. We can't completely ignore Liverpool, lads. And Jordan Henderson was the footballer of the year, right? This is a guy that I think... The problem with a player like Jordan Henderson when it comes to a team of the year like this is that from an outside point of view, he's not someone that you obviously want to pick because he just does all of the work within a team that's most appreciated by those players around him and possibly by people that are going to watch his games every single week and realise the job that he actually does. And I know that when he, uh, he was won that Footballer of the Year award, Klopp talked about the fact that what makes Henderson so good is the fact that, you know, there's that talent and obviously without talent, you are nothing, but there's also the attitude that's needed. And it's that attitude that makes sure that your talent can keep going and going and going and keep you right at the top of the game. And, and that's what Jordan Henderson's shown in abundance. And he might not be one of considered one of the very best footballers in the world, but he is one of the best players to have in a football team in the world because of the work that goes on behind all of those other players that are the difference makers. And I think that it is really important having a, a player like that. And as I say, you know, they did win the Premier League finally after all these years of trying and he was the man that led them to it. Dean, I accept all of that, but he's not very good at centre-back, is he? <laughs> well, we're not picking him for centre back, are we? That is um, true. I mean, do you know he, what? A centre back would be really good in this position. Old Marquinhos. He's still not dislodging Kimmich, though, uh, and which is the basic answer here. And, and nor is Jordan Henderson. That said, Jordan Henderson does have a shout to be in this midfield. There's three positions up here, and and let's not forget that that Jordan Henderson could play in any of them. It's not a it's not a yeah. shootout. But I sure. don't think I'd have him ahead of Kimmich at the base, given I, what Joshua Kimmich has done this year. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, let me put forward a couple of cases then. I'm going to go dual screen. It's Tony Kroos and Kevin De Bruyne. Now, I believe in one of these cases, just a little bit more than the other. De Bruyne has been unbelievable, and I think he probably should have won Footballer of the Year, Dean. Um, so he's in that direct competition for Henderson for these kind of things, and, and in direct competition with Henderson for a spot in this team. And you know, City, over the course of the first half of this season minus the last three weeks where it looks like it's clicked. So basically the rest of it, I thought they were pretty meh outside of the fact that they had, I think, the world's best number eight and just the world's best midfielder. So Kevin De Bruyne just coming to the, coming to the rescue pretty much every single week. Um, obviously his talent is inarguable. We've even seen him playing up front recently and he looks even better than Gabby Jesus and he's been doing it his whole damn life. That's how talented he is. And I think De Bruyne is absolutely in this team ahead of Kimmich and then I would like to put the case forward for ahead Tony Kroos. Ahead of Kimmich? So, no, oh. ahead of, sorry, so is it in playing ahead of, of him? Kimmich. Yeah, in front of oh. Kimmich. So, so <laughs> Kimmich, Kimmich and De Bruyne in midfield. I'd put a case forward for Tony Kroos. He Why? was huge, huge in Real Madrid's title win. I know Ramos has scored some important goals and it was probably the MVP, but Tony Kroos's level, again, super consistent. He really refound his form. We talked about the World Cup and Neuer and how they probably hit their Nadir. Kroos was very much the same in that sense. And he too has taken his, a little bit of time, but has refound his top level. And I love his corners, guys. I'm a sucker for a good corner. <laughs> I don't know if you can have someone in the team of the year just because they take good corners. You though, could. Mate. I mean, it makes a difference. Could win you a game. All right, talk, if you take them quickly. 
Um, <laughs> I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm. I'm going to have to push back on Crows. I, I accept all of your arguments for De Bruyne. 103 chances created in 2020. That is unbelievable. It's mm. just you know silly stats, isn't it? And and he's just an incredible player, and he's an enjoy to watch at all times. And I think you can take you know often take statistics too far. And you can you can look at things and be like, oh, I can create a, a narrative out of statistics. But but De Bruyne has it all. He passes the eye test. He passes the stats test. He's an absolute joy to watch in full flight. And I would find it difficult not to pick KDB in one of these starts. However, I am going to push back on Tony Kroos. I don't think Tony Kroos has done enough to earn a spot in the team of the year. Um, and Dean, that leaves a space open for Jordan Henderson, unless you've got any other contenders. I've got one more midfielder, lads, and his name is Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes. Or Bruno Fernandes, as I normally call him. Um, Imagine that. He puts the Portuguese sauce on the first name and still mispronounces the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Fernandes, right? He, I can't think of any January signing that came close to making the kind of impact that Bruno Fernandes made on a football team. Virgil van Dijk? Last season. And <laughs> let me let me finish my sentences, Jackson. Um, so Bruno Fernandes came in to a average football team and turned them into a very good football team. Like his impact at Man United was suddenly being compared to the impact that Eric Cantona had on them when he finally won them the Premier League. It was ridiculous how he. Well, let's, let's start by the fact that when he was signed. I was wondering if he would have the same impact in the Premier League as he'd had in Portugal because so much of so many of his goals were coming from a distance. And I did question whether he'd be able to score from those kind of distances in the Premier League. And if he'd get the kind of time and space he would need to create the openings that he had needed. And he proved me wrong within probably three weeks. Um, he was straight off the bat. I remember his first game against Wolves. Um, he didn't score. It was nil-nil that game, but you just saw, hang on, hang on. He's got a bit about him, actually. <laughs> he, he might actually be able to get these openings. And then gets his first assist against Chelsea. And then against Watford, gets a goal and an assist. And it just kind of set the tone for his, se his season. And every week there was either a goal or assist or both. And now you're looking at him and it's the player that Man United are going to build around for the next five years. He became um, a mentor to some players like Scott McTominay and other young players that are trying to establish themselves um, in the Premier League and at Man United. Um, and he also became a leader and he, the players look to him for these special moments and he just seems to never, ever stop striving to make himself better and those around him better. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer owes him everything because he's kept him in a job. Um, and it's very hard to say that he would miss out on a team of the year. Well, Dean, what you've done here is you've backed yourself into a lovely corner for us in that we have two of these midfield spots, I would say, locked down in Kimmich and De Bruyne. And you can pick the other one. Well, the thing unless is... It, uh, no, he can pick it unless I disagree. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously Bruno Fernandes because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not putting Jordan Henderson in there with... In the same midfield as Kimmich. Um, 
I want to, I want this team to really drive forward, and that's going to be Bruno. Um, so I'm sorry, Jordan Henderson. I've knocked you out after after hyping you up there. Yeah, after <laughs> after a passionate cry for his defence, you have been the man to to yeah. relegate him. No, it was before yeah. Kimmich was put to me. Maybe I'd forgotten that Kimmich existed. I don't know. But um, it would it would be a tough day to forget that Joshua <laughs> Kimmich um, exists, the best all round midfielder yeah. in Europe. I would Bruno is yes. a good one because. 2020 is a year like it's quite hard to judge a player over this over the like two halves of a season as yeah. I often complain with regard to the Ballon d'Or but Bruno has played exactly one year at Manchester United it's like the perfect sample size for this sort of thing and yeah I really can't like the best way for me to put it is you know, like with De Bruyne if you check if you didn't see the City game but you check the scores afterwards you'd be very surprised if Kevin De Bruyne did not score or assist at least one goal right you'd be pretty you'd be like what he didn't get at all like anything the same applies to Bruno if United have scored you just think it's going to be him you think he's going to have created the goal or scored it he's automatic he's a goal or an assist every game more or less it's just the production level over the course of one whole year at the top level you can't argue with it I feel silly for putting Crows forward it's obviously Bruno <laughs> it is it is Bruno and and that rounds off our midfield Kimmich KDB and Bruno that is a hell of a midfield. You would be petrifying in transition, wouldn't they? Mm. Absolutely outrageous. And that takes us on to the forwards. And Dean, maybe you could start us off. Any ideas who might start on the left of this front three? Yeah, well, I have got someone that, that comes to my mind straight away. And he has put Piemonte Calcio on the map. His name <laughs> is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I mean, I'd barely heard of this place until he and until he started making an impact. Um, but yeah, Ronaldo at Juventus in in 2020 um, has been pretty special. Let's let's put it that way. I mean, you look at the turn of the year. I mean, his. I guess he turned around his form just going into the year. So it was in December 2019. It was when Ronaldo... he started wearing that iPod Shuffle. <laughs> yeah, it was around then. Actually, who knew what that could do? Um, you know, he ended like with the last four games of 2019, he'd scored like five goals and you're like, oh, hang on, what's coming here? And it was like, as soon as the new year came, it was like hat-trick, goal, brace, goal, brace, goal, goal. Um, there was like two games, I think, in like the next, I don't know, 18, where he didn't score. Um, one of those wasn't even in the squad, so he couldn't do much about that. Um, <laughs> Shame on him. <laughs> and you look at Ronaldo and the way that he's, building his Juventus career and every season his goal output is going up and up and at a time when you know it would be easy to expect even Ronaldo to start waning to start easing off he's not um, he's a slightly different type of player um, he's having to work a little bit harder to get into those positions that he's able to score from um, and he probably misses a few more one-on-ones than he used to but his 2020 has been pretty special and it's certainly helped even, you know, coming into this season, Juventus stay in and amongst it. You know, he's, he's had a difficult start to the season under Pirlo, no doubt about that. But I think that he's shown that he deserves to certainly be considered for this team and possibly make it. I have absolutely no doubt that Ronaldo deserves his spot in our 2020 team of the year. And I've no doubt that he'll also make it into the people's FIFA 21 team of the year as well, because that souped up Ronaldo card on FIFA every year is an absolute must have. The pros want it. Everybody else wants it. It costs a ton. It's rated 99. The physical stats, the speed stats, the finishing, the heading, the aerial leap, everything you associate with him is on there, but just times four and he's unbeatable. So this guy's a lock for this team in the public vote. 
He, he, like, he, there's he no is. way that he will not be in this. And I think he deserves to be in ours too. I know he is, but there is a player here who's very close to my heart. He's very close to your heart, Sam. I can see that. Federico um, Chiesa. Yeah, Federico Chiesa. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, this man, 93 chances created in 2020. Only KDB has more chances created in England. The most fouled player in Europe. 148 times he was fouled last season. From one super jack to another. I need to put Jack Grealish into the conversation. I need to put him in. Now, it seems mad to be putting him up against Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, you're admitting it. But I think he's that good. I think he's that good that he needs to be in this conversation. And I do think that we are seeing the emergence of the most unpredictable and potentially game-changing English talent of a generation. Look, I'm a huge fan of Grealish. You can see that with his framed shirt on my wall behind me. But this is Ronaldo. This is Ronaldo we're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. I know. I know. But I appreciate if, the argument and I think making a case for Grealish because I think he needs even, to be in the conversation, even if it's not gonna be not gonna be his year this year because yeah. of Cristiano. I think he needs to be in that conversation. Yeah. I've been skeptical of it for a while for, of giving Grealish the green light on this because I've I'm always like, I'm just waiting for him to fall off a cliff. Like, I don't know, players like Grealish I just haven't trusted before to to really make their mark consistently. And Grealish has definitely proven me wrong towards the end of the year because he's just kept on and on and got better and better and better. Um, you've shown that by the fact that Gareth Southgate agreed with me and tried to ignore him for as long as possible. And then eventually <laughs> could. <laughs> um, so I knew where Gareth Southgate was coming from with that. And I think we were both as embarrassed as each other when we saw the kind of performances that he put in. Um, he's obviously not getting in ahead of Ronaldo, but maybe in a year's time, yeah, Maybe you never know. The, um, look, all of Ronaldo the underlines... might be in the mid. Ronaldo might be in the middle next yeah, year. Maybe. You never Just know. So for <laughs> all of those like underlying stats and stuff. You look at them and you look at the chances created, the fouls, the dribbling style. You look at him this season, and if he does carry it on, then. There's basic, he's basically just Eden Hazard, but just a couple of years later. He's, just like, he's very similar in the way that he plays, drives with the ball, cuts it off the left, gets fouled constantly, has incredible technique and whip, makes the right decision, doesn't lose the ball very much. That's the thing about him. He's a high-risk player. He tries lots of things. He doesn't really lose it very much. That's the remarkable thing about him. But I'm just that, you know, I'm a big fan, but... It's Ronaldo. Yeah, it's, a, and, it's a Cristiano thing. I get it. I get it. And I go over it. to the right flank, Jack, for me and try to make a case for anybody else other than Ronaldo's eternal rival. Yeah, it's it's, it's messy season as well. And look, a bad year for Barcelona, right? Let's be let's be frank about it. But I was looking at some stats before this. Across the top five leagues in 2020, Messi has eighth most goals, second most assists, third most goals contributions, most big chances created, most through balls, most triples, fourth most duels won, sixth most fouls won, and hit the woodwork the most times. And um, the bloke, even in a bad year, even in a barren spell, has absolutely crushed numbers again. And Look, I don't think it's fair to purely say based on, you know, one or two things that you get him in here. But I don't know if there's anyone that can stand up to this, even from the teams that have won things, from the teams that have gone on and won trophies. I still don't know if there's anybody who could who could make the case here, Sam. Is there anyone you could think of? Not not that consistently, no, just not to Messi's level. Like there's 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 other contenders in here. You take a look at the, the player pool that you can pick from here. Um, when you're voting for the team of the year. And there are some really nice players and maybe not necessarily right wingers, but someone like Joao Felix has had an incredible you know, four or five months or so. 
Um, Mbappe has to be considered for this kind of area because he's so good. Sadio Mane is another player who was integral to that Liverpool title charge, probably the best player of that front three over the back end of last season. This season, he's had a bit of a golder, actually, um, so I probably wouldn't quite put him in that. But look, there are some serious names in here, but Messi, as usual... I think basically just conquers all. I'd love, I'd love to be making sat here making the case for Jao Felix. I really would love the boy to pieces. But you know, much as he's been the spark for Atleti, much as we've seen him really grow into this team, second half of last year and especially this year, and that partnership with with Luis Suarez and and all of that, it's just not the same level, is it? It's not the same barrier of entry and and sometimes I think we've been so used to what Cristiano's done what Leo Messi has done that we forget how far ahead they are of, of pretty much anyone else in terms of consistent output and for those reasons alone I think it would be mental to not put these two lads in on either side of the either side of the central point yeah and, I'm, and with you, I'm with you I'll throw it to you for the central point Sam because I don't think there's any argument here yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's fitting. Maybe you're just getting good at this, but it's a nice segue where you talk about that consistent output and it's, it's almost difficult sometimes to, to remember just how good these, these, these two players are because of the consistency, because of the output. But there is a player who has actually risen to their level, both in terms of consistency and in terms of output with the forward line. And it's Robert Lewandowski, who I think as well, you all know, because we talk about it all the time, was basically robbed of a Ballon d'Or for no reason and was the best player in football over the course of 2020. He won all the trophies that Bayern did. Hell, he spearheaded Bayern to all of those trophies. He scores pretty much every game. And like we talked about with, with De Bruyne and, and, and Bruno Fernandes, if he doesn't score in a game, you're like, oh, what happened there, Rob? Interesting. That doesn't happen very often. Not even a penalty. That's, that's very strange indeed. I mean, he plays for a high-power attack, but... Guy's clinical. He scores every type of goal. He is the complete forward and he's reached a ridiculous level of consistency. I don't think there's another striker here. Like I'm looking through this list of players that you can pick and Lukaku was brilliant and Erling Haaland had an amazing 2020, but he did rob he did rob Alfonso Davis of the Golden Boy Award. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. But they, uh, there were other strikers here. Yeah, good good focal point strikers who who who, who had fantastic years, but I, I mean, if you try and convince me it's not Lewandowski, I'm just not going to listen. 47 goals for club and country in 2020. Just absolutely mad. It's just yeah. silly numbers. Five trophies. You know, FIFA's the best award. And yes, as we say, robbed of a Ballon d'Or. It's hard to put an argument here for anyone else, Dean. It is, yeah. I mean, you know, people were talking about Harry Kane and how he's grown into the best you know, central forward striker in the game, especially as he, you know, he starts to change his game under Mourinho and, you know, takes that deeper line position and gets as many assists as he does goals. Um, and I do still think that if you were to sign, try and sign a striker that was going to ultimately change your chances of, of winning a competition, say you were Man City and you had to choose a striker to go for, I still think Kane is the only other person apart from Lewandowski you would probably look at, um, especially for short-term success. Um, but he's just just not quite as dependable for me. Um, and I, yeah, you just can't take it. You just can't take this away from Lewandowski. Um, it's his professionalism. It's his focus. It's the way that he constantly adapts his game as he gets older to make sure that he's still thriving. 
Um, you think here, like going through his career, how good he's always been at like close control, shielding the ball back to goal and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then slowly just worked and worked and worked to get more and more goals into his game and become that decisive game changer, the guy that you rely on in the big moments. And there is nobody in 2020 that you would have wanted more than, than Lewandowski. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? He's now probably the fittest as well as, as the best yeah. striker in the world. The amount of goals he scored late yeah. for Bayern this year, I mean, summed up by that Leverkusen game, right? Where he got two in the last 10 minutes to turn yeah. the game on its head. And But it was those kind of, you know, decisive moments. And he came up big in all the decisive moments for Bayern. And I think that's basically the the cherry on the cake if it wasn't done by the stats and the fact that he'd scored so many goals and the fact that he'd won so many trophies the fact he's been clutch pretty much all season long for them all year long for them I think is the the icing on that and all you can do is doff your cap and say we wish you'd had a Ballon d'Or Robert um you deserved a Ballon d'Or and you've been the best player in the world in 2020 and you are rightly the spearhead for our team of the year yep absolutely yeah, absolutely and the team of the year for us is Manuel Neuer in goal Jesus Navas at right back, Presnel Kimpembe and Sergio Ramos in central defence, Alfonso Davies at left back, a midfield trio of Joshua Kimmich, Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. And an up front, Robert Lewandowski, Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. That bit's quite predictable, but the rest of it was good fun. These Liverpool damage. fans are going to hate us. Uh, yeah, yeah look, no they, Liverpool players. They, no Liverpool they, and they'd players rightly have a ca- they'd rightly have a case, but you know that you look at our bench and there's four <laughs> who have made the bench. Can and... you make it just all Liverpools and make up for the fact, please? Robertson, it's Mane, it's Henderson, and it's Trent. Mm. So our bench is Robertson, Marquinhos, Trent, Kroos, Henderson, Felix, Grealish, and Mane. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad, it's not, is it? They'll say, I mean, "Where's Salah? Where's all these other? Where's Allison?" And they'll be like, oh, "I don't think that you can. Not. I don't think you can make a case to suggest that Salah should be in ahead of Messi. I don't think you can make a case to suggest that uh, that Allison should be in ahead of Neuer. I think all of these players have had incredible seasons and should be given their rightful due. But I don't think that they have quite, you know, edged enough to 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 make this squad. And I think the players you're looking at, your Robertsons, your Trents, your Hendersons can be a little bit aggrieved that they have they've missed out. But I think that we've tried to come up with, with reasonings here. This hasn't been a, oh, let's get Liverpool players out. They have just been, you know, shunted out by players who I think have done better. The big argument that I imagine we'll see in the comments and in the responses is Navas ahead of Trent. Um, yeah, but, and but I can I... already envisage the Liverpool Echo headline now. Ranks FC, snub Anfield heroes. That's what it's going to be, isn't it? All press is good press. I'd just like to say as well quickly that I think if I'm picking for players on the bench, I think I want to probably sneak Neymar on the bench. He had a very good 2020. Came up big for PSG in the night. I'd have a really good ending as well with a massive party that you shouldn't be having. (laughs) (laughs) I will not hold that against him in football terms, but uh, I'd probably stick Neymar on the bench. The bench is unofficial, but that's our our 11. We've we've decided it. Okay. Well, that's pretty much it for our team of the year. We'll uh, come back to it with details on how you can do this right at the end of the show but we're going to go for a quick break and afterwards we've got a melon of the week and a gibberish rankings don't go anywhere fair play and fair value it's what playing at william hill is all about william hill it's who you play with gamble responsibly
Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for my favourite part of the show. And Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is someone at the Premier League. I don't know who it is. It's <laughs> someone at the Premier League. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's the Premier League. Because what have they done to my team, Fulham? What are they doing to people's minds? We're already all confused enough right now and struggling to get through the days. And you're throwing fi the fixture list. You're just randomly deciding to switch around fixtures and mess with the way that we're preparing for the, you know, really difficult second half of the season where you're trying to stay in the division. Fulham went into an FA Cup tie against QPR at the weekend. Um, not knowing that they would be playing Tottenham on Wednesday. Um, they decided, the Premier League, in their wisdom, to sub that fixture out. Because Aston Villa couldn't play against Tottenham, they subbed Fulham in because they still had to play Tottenham from a previously cancelled fixture. They moved things around and said, oh, Fulham, actually, you've got a game on Wednesday. This isn't a Sunday league. Like, this, this is the sort of stuff that used to happen when you were a kid. I've so, had more notice than this for a power power play game in, in, in Elephant and Castle that yeah. Fulham had for a Premier League fixture. Exactly. If you were playing like a power league and they said, oh, by the way, you've got a game Wednesday and it's Monday night, say, uh, leave it out, mate. We've all got, we've got other things to do. Sorry, you have to change it. That's not our problem. Sorry about that. Um, and Fulham haven't been allowed to do that. They're not particularly happy about it, but... Sadly, there is a rule in the Premier League handbook that said clubs must accept changes to normal playing conditions and schedules in order to ensure the completion of the competition. Now, they are at the argument every you know, fan of a lower team that I've, I've heard put forward is, would they have made Liverpool play now against Tottenham if it was them? Would they have made Man United do this? Because there wouldn't be as much backlash. Like, oh, it's only Fulham. They'll, they'll do it. They've got to play the game somehow. And now Fulham have got to play back-to-back -back games against Tottenham and Chelsea when really all Fulham had, had was almost an entire week. They had six days to plan for a, a game against Chelsea on the Friday night. A local derby as well. A local derby and potentially, you know, lose Frank Lampard's job. And now instead <laughs> we've got um, Wednesday... 8.15 kickoff at Tottenham. And then now on the Saturday, we've got to play a London derby against Chelsea. Uh, I hope that um, this gives us motivation and somehow we win both of those matches and stick two fingers up at this person from the Premier League, whoever he is, um, or she. But I, I suspect we'll lose both. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that I was quietly confident about getting a result against Chelsea on, on Friday night. And uh, that confidence is safe to say has gone out the window. Uh, sorry, uh, with a bit of a rant there, lads. I, I, I got a bit angry there. No, I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. And uh, Sam, you got any, any, any qualms with this Melody of the Sam, Week? Do you, do you know who's doing this at the Premier League? <laughs> do you know where I can find them? <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I've been... I've been running scared of you all episode, Dean. So if I did know them, I wouldn't reveal their identity. Go and find be, out, Sam. I'd be very worried indeed. Now it does seem a bit harsh. I'll put it that way. A bit harsh. <laughs> not hard. a lot of no, not a lot of notice, and to, to cram Tottenham and Chelsea into the space of four days, that's that's just uh, small gross. Ma small matters. Man United next week as well. Yeah, and by the way, our QPR game went to extra time. <laughs> that, yeah. that, to be fair, was Fulham's own fault, uh, and I don't think anybody can anybody can blame anyone else for that. I was Fulham being absolutely. <laughs> awful for 90 yeah. minutes um right then well that is men of the week sorted and uh sam it's the gibberish alarm the gibberish alarm yeah um do you know what the inspiration for this gibberish ranking came from fulham's rearranged schedule 
<laughs> something that happened over the course of the Christmas period. And uh, you'll find out when we get to number one exactly what that was. But I've decided to present to you three weird jobs. Weird jobs. And I don't include our jobs in this because our jobs are pretty weird. weird. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weird. But there are some pretty weird jobs out there. There are some pretty standard ones. You could be a clerk. You could be a... You could be an accountant, you could be a banker, you could be a firefighter, you could work for the public services, or you could have one of these kinds of jobs. So in at number three, dog surf instructor. Mm. Bit weird, but also a bit of a dream job, if you ask me, because dogs are great. Surfing looks great. Obviously, I've never done it. So going to work to surf and hang out with dogs all day, double great. Reading up on it, it looks like you can have an all dog class and you can literally just teach several dogs to surf, or you can have a mixed class. You could have dogs and humans. Like, if you were a human in that class, you'd be like, "Who are my Who are my classmates?" Oh, well, there's um, there's uh, there's there's Ralph, um, and there's Bruno, and then there's Rover, and there's Pickles. Okay, oh, what, what, the WhatsApp group would be weird. <laughs> I like. I thought I thought you meant two people when you said Ralph and Bruno. I thought you were talking about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pickles. Yeah, Pickles is the is the is the is the human. Um, this is just this is insane, but it does happen. Obviously, you probably have to live in a coastal area, probably in America or Australia or another country that takes surfing a bit well, more you seriously. Don't th- than you England. don't think there's there's loads of dog surf instructors in Newquay? <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's many in Birmingham. <laughs> landlocked midlands birmingham but if you go to the right area and you love dogs and you love surfing this could be the job for you you've been to anyway, cornwall sam maybe you could take this up in cornwall you could start yeah. find find a gap in the market and go on for it i've never got past bodyboarding i'm too scared <laughs> um in at number two odor judge huh so there there are people out there whose job it is is to sniff people's armpits feet and breath and rate the smell of them at the odor out of 10 now, this isn't a fetish, or obviously some yeah, people are doing it sounds, this. Obviously, it sounds a bit weird. Obviously, they're getting a kick out of this. But this is because you need to be able to test effectiveness of hygiene products. So like deodorant, mouthwash, foot cream, whatever it is, there is somebody smelling people's bits and testing this stuff. Mm. And there's a lady in the Guinness World Book of Records who holds the record for sniffing the most feet in history. She reckons it's around 5,600. Wow. Well, if ever there was a job that's probably gone by the wayside during social distancing, this must be it. <laughs> These people must be really struggling for work right Oh, now. no, yeah. Jesus you can't God. get within six feet, so you're going to have to have really good senses. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's horrible, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah not for me. I, I've got a really bad, job. I've got a really bad gag reflex. So actually that would send me, that would send me skywards. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to carry that one out, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm going to stick to poetry. I think yeah. a lot of people probably have the same problem and therefore I think the pay might be quite decent. So if this goes tits up, never know. <laughs> yeah, it really could as well. Never know, but into number one. This is the role that's the been inspiration. Yeah. This always makes me laugh, right? I'm going to call it darts judge because I think that's what it is. But ultimately, I think it's more appropriately named as darts mathematician. Because at every professional darts tournament, there is a guy whose job it is, is to stand really close to a board and basically just reel off extremely quick arithmetic whilst someone throws metal arrows towards their head. Now, obviously they're not aiming for their head, they're aiming for the dartboard, and they are deadly accurate. I appreciate that. But just take a step back and think about this. There is a person stood next to a target. There is another person throwing metal arrows near their head. And their job 
is to not flinch whatsoever and in fact do world-class quick arithmetic and announce it to the crowd that so if you just... were if you were going to go to the the foot the odor judge world this is where i'm going if this okay. all goes wrong i i think i'd actually be very good at this i love darts and my maths is pretty sharp um and i maths think i would terrible. make it my math is excellent um you you were the one who didn't you were the one who didn't know how to use a fraction in the last episode so we uh well let's move forward shall we with who's good at maths yeah no i get i get i get it but i do actually have a question here the the judge the person that shouts it all out or whatever so so actually no several questions the person that does the arithmetic does he also shout it out is that no no that's a different person that's the mc okay so, so is he feeding the information to the mc immediately well, he's he written it right? on a board. So he writes it on the board and then the MC probably has a look here. But I would imagine the MC is probably doing the maths in his own head. Like everyone's quite good. The thing about darts is that it's not necessarily like maths, maths. You just have to start working out like how a finish would, for example. You, you yeah. just know it in your head. You know how to finish a 147. It's just kind of written in the, in the way forget, you do it. People start playing this game when they're in a pub and they've had about eight pints and they're, they're doing the maths after eight pints. So when they haven't had any pints, suddenly it all becomes much, much easier as you start to become more and more professional and the drinking level lowers. Very true, very true. Um, <laughs> is, the, um, is it the same person working out both players' scores or do they have their own judge each? I think you have your own scorer, yeah. Wow, so there's actually three people committed to this task. Yeah. yeah. And normally, in fact, in non-COVID times, there's more people on the stage. There's often, you know, there's loads of people about. I used to be a darts reporter. Did you know that? Did you actually? No. Yeah, I used to, I used to uh, cover the darts. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, you have I, told us this story because you used yeah. to make stories up. Well, we, uh, it wasn't that we would make, we kind of did, yeah, but because darts <laughs> needed some coverage, like darts, you know, was becoming a bigger sport and it was starting to get on TV and stuff and papers were starting to give it coverage and so I was working as a you know a tabloid reporter at the time. So we would just go up to the players and be like, "Look, we need we need a good story." I remember one time there was me and a, uh, another reporter, and we came up with a story. We're like, "Let's let's get the two players who are playing the next game. Let's start a, a row between them that can last a couple of days in the paper. We're going to say get one of them to claim that the that the other one was farting every time he went up to the hockey. He farted, and then no. just, and when he would go up there, it was putting him off, and that's and it was really affecting his game. So we got him to accuse one guy of farting at the hockey, and then the other guy like takes his side back and like hits last night so and so hits back at claims he farts at the hockey, um, and yeah, so that's that's. I the mean, kind did of you just actually... make this up, or did you get the guy to claim this? Yeah, no, we said this is the story we want to write. Uh, can you just talk about, um, can you say he was farting at the hockey? We're thinking something like this. And he goes, oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he does, <laughs> he does it all the time. Um, and they were all encouraged to do it because, like, they wanted darts to start making headlines. Right? This actually did happen, like, about 10 years ago. I'd imagine what must have been about 10, 15 years later. About three years ago, Gary Anderson. 15 who, uh, got years to... later? How long, how long ago do you think I was a darts report? Well, quite a long time. No, because you, you must have been really starting out because you were you were in foot you've been in football for a while now. DJ. Yeah, but I was doing it at the same time because oh, was, okay. I was at an agency and like the darts gig just became like it was good because over the Christmas period you could just go there every day, right? Yeah, um, yeah. it was quite it was quite a nice gig. To well, do, the yeah. fact that you said Lakeside suggests to me that it was around that time. It was probably it's... it might have been ten years ago to be fair. Yeah, the, you know, pre <laughs> pre the big turnaround where the PDC became the Jesus, big. I'm older than I thought. You might be right. John. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking like. A couple of years back this happened a genuine a genuine argument bust out gary anderson uh, accused yeah, someone yeah. else of doing it so your uh your made-up story eventually came true which is kind of mad yeah, yeah it, it, it was good times i've got to say i used to love covering the darts um, uh, there you go hopefully I'm, the I'm, pod. 
I'm looking forward to starting a darts pod at some point. We can uh, we can do we can do darts FC um, to, <laughs> to, to to really really keep the brand strong and keep things together. Um, and with that, boys, we should probably call this one a day, shouldn't we? It's um, yeah. been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that team of the year. And um, so thanks again to to EA Sports for for all of their bits and bobs involved with that. And um, a reminder that you can go and vote for your team of the year on the EA Sports website. The vote is live until Monday the 18th of January and there's a final 11 revealed shortly after that. I have a funny feeling boys that Joseph Navas might not be making the uh, the final 11 although mm. I, I, I hope deeply that he does eventually make the cut. Um, obviously thank you to EA Sports for, for all their help for these wonderful cards that we had for the podcast uh, if you've been watching it and uh, for those of you listening thanks as ever for listening please do make sure you're subscribed make sure that you've given us a review and a rating on itunes if you're listening on there uh, and make sure you're back next week as we continue this ranks fc journey my name is jack collins and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to mr sam tai Jesus Navas forever. Thank you very much, Mr. Dean Jones. Kim Pembe forever. We've been Ranks FC. This has been your team of the year and assorted other things. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, Ranks Squad. Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 